Hi there, you're listening to Runelanders. I'm Adam, your host and friendly neighborhood dungeon master. Now before we begin, a couple of things. Runelanders contains adult content, about as much as your average late evening premium cable series. We don't beat these topics over the head, and they're not in every episode, but they do exist as part of the setting, so we don't shy away from them when they come up either. Use your judgment. If that sort of thing isn't your bag, well then, this probably isn't the podcast for you. If, however, that is your sort of thing, well then, dig if you will this fractured fable of a felonious fellowship's forays through the suave salons and sinister saloons of Byzantine Bailey Mina, the city of steel and steam. Thrilled to the adventures of this criminal cadre as they climb to notoriety and beyond, will they remain merely outlaws or will they become true villains? Well, I could tell you, but it's more fun if we show you. We're the Runelanders. This is Rapscallion, so get ready, Runetics, and let's roll. Join the Rapscallions at the end of a fight. Hey, Calder. I don't know the combat's over, so I'm going to charge up my Thaumon Cabulator. I'm going to pull out a little Nautilus-looking-like shell that I fashioned from uh, some of the spare Eldwood. I'm going to jack it into the Spurving Runes and uh, punch the Pamiasmic uh, Incantation, charge it up, push it into the deep wound that I have in my chest, and it's going to spin open and completely cover all of the wound, and then it'll glow, and then... I'll roll my cure wounds. Give me a sec here. 24. So then the uh, the shell will uh, return or sort of appear back uh, in its normal site, site and uh, clatter on the floor. And uh, I'll jump up and turn around, ready to cast great magics at my enemy. Calder pops up from behind the bar, doing his best airbed impression with his, you know, that thinger he carries with the screen and the buttons and the, yeah. Yeah. I'm just glad no one's looking at me when I do it. Yeah, it's a good thing. you Like, Arabet is losing his lunch over by the hearth right now. Uh, there are several dead, horribly crushed red caps, and Ziva's hair is receding across the room when you do this. We need to get out of here really quick. Well... I suppose it's on me to check this out. And through the window, I guess. As Nari jumps out the window, Calder pauses, puts his hand to his chest and pulls it away. It's it's still wet. The uh, healing he's applied is a little slow and taking, it seems. All the same, he shakes it off and narrowing his eyes, his mouth crinkles at the corners. And as his teeth are slightly exposed, the particularly observant can see little blue sparks of electricity arcing between them. Nari, as you jump out the window, you roll down a slight incline and then come to a painful stop on your face on what appears to be a pile of rocks. Well, cautiously push myself up and uh, take a quick glance around my surroundings and back behind me to see... uh if the window is still there. 
the window appears to be quite a bit higher up than it was when you looked out the last time and uh, flapping as though, you know, on a pivot in the middle instead of the sash window, which you just drew up and then stepped out of. All around you is the towering architecture built of, you know, gingerbread detailed wood with various decorative finishes, mushroom buildings, and little tiny huts all spiraling away to the sky. Make an insight check, Nari. Fourteen. This really, really looks like Washwoman Lane. Except the fairy take on it. Like I said, the building's just crammed side by side. There are inches between them as they tilt and lean and crawl up to the sky. And, you know, sometimes stories from one building will shuffle over to be over top of the foundations of other ones. Certain, as you look up and down this busy street with all kinds of fairy kind looking over towards the screaming window, which, like I said, is now flapping open, and you sitting on a pile of rocks about 10 feet beneath it. You know, they go about their business, and there's not much of a bustle yet. But uh, you can't see any sky, and everything here is lit by dozens of drifting wisps. Well, I'll uh, get myself up, uh, brush myself off, uh, tidy myself all up, and uh, yell. Holler up up to the window. Just like, hey guys! From outside, you can hear Nari's voice distantly under the screaming of the sash. Nari? Can you hear me? I don't think this is home. Can someone lower a rope? Okay. Timothy. Hello. You figured that you have about 15 seconds to prepare before somebody comes through that door, and having gotten through it, We'll be prepared to deal with whatever's on this side of it. Hmm. Out the window, my boy. Out the window. Oh, man. All right. All right. So is that what you're doing? Yeah. If he's uh, ushering everyone out the window, then yeah. All right. So Timothy turns and starts rushing towards the open window. Just a quick athletics or acrobatics check, whichever you favor. That would be a uh, 23. All right. Uh, turns out that this building is actually built on kind of an angle. So you just slide down the wall and land like uh, light as a cat on your feet next to Nari in the cobblestone street while he's picking himself up from where he's just done a rough tumble down onto the cobblestones of the road. Next is Calder's going to hold his turn. Arabat. Arabic goes out the window. All right. Smooth as silk. Acrobatics, please. 24 total. In your case, it's a graceful leap, turning a somersault in air to land on your feet in a crouch next to Timothy. Finally, it's just Ziva and Calder left in the room. Calder holding his chest with one hand, waves Ziva off with the other one. He's drawing in a big breath. And in fact, you see that he is much broader across the back than you had previously thought. 
Oh, oh, right. Okay. And she'll crawl out the window. Acrobatics or athletics, whichever you favor. Just let me know which it is. As soon as I see Ziva's head poke out, I will try and help her on the way down if I can catch her if she falls or whatever. An acrobatics of 14. Okay, so this is nowhere near as graceful as Arabette or Timothée's descent, um, especially considering that she has those giant boots and, you know, had changed from her field clothes into a ball gown. And it's, it's more it's more careful and purposeful than yes. elegant. And also, like, not really Ziva's forte. So she makes it, but it's not like anything you'd see at the Royal Bailey Mina Ballet. Everybody okay? There is the sound of arc welding from upstairs. That'll be our dragon friend. And a minute later, the long slender form of Calder does a big roll down the slope like a hula-hoop and uh, lands like a wet bag of shit because I rolled a four for him. I'll help Calder up. By now, these passers-by are starting to give you a wide berth. I am totally fine with that. What do the passers-by look like? All manner of fairies. Now, this street is only about 15 feet across. There are no sidewalks. And the buildings, well, let's just say that this is a hallway for all intents and purposes, Arabette. You could go up, but it looks to be about 150 feet before there's the nearest thing to a rooftop. Uh, run. But before that, I'm going to use Mage Hand to close the window. The shrieking stops. That's a relief. This way, everyone, and I'm just going to take off. I'll follow. I'm right behind. Eric, I need you to roll a d4. That is a one. Timothy, flip a coin. Tails. All right, so as you go rushing off down the street in the direction of traffic, a door in the building opens up and a bunch of uniformed red caps come pouring out into the street. They wear the livery of the Crimson Count. There are probably a dozen of them who bust out into the street in front of you and cut your way off. They all look over and the first thing they see is Eva's big purple hair. They start shouting at each other. You have one round to either get through them or attack them or whatever. Everybody's kind of caught unawares. So I'll let you guys go first since you were running. Is there a building just right next to us? There are doors everywhere. Arabet turns and kicks in the door. Cut a direct 90 and run across the street. Kick the door in. Athletics, please. 19. All right, so Calder rallies and shakes off the mild dizziness he'd been experiencing from unloading with his breath weapon to cover your escape out the window. Excellent. When Nari kind of pulls it to a halt as the redcaps bust out of the building, uh, Arabet, who's number two, goes this way, grabs Nari by the sleeve, and dashes across the street to where he goes and boots in a wooden door, which is 
human-sized, so good enough. Within, you can see a well-kept hallway leading into a home, like carpets and runners and stairs and all this other thing. I keep going down the hallway straight to the other side of it. All right, you go running down the hall, and you swear you hear somebody swearing at you in Dobridge. At the end of the hall, there is a kitchen. To the left, there is a sitting room. To the right, there is the back door. Uh, also, back the way you came is the basement stairs on the right-hand side of the room. Back door sounds good to me. Is anybody following Arabeth? Oh, yeah. I think he's in the lead now. Yep. All yep. right. Well, Arabeth's in the lead. Can I please get a marching order? I was imagining Timothy. Would I think I'm Timothy right behind him because he grabbed me, right? Yeah. And I, I well, think I'm sorry, so. If it makes sense, Calder's always happy to take up uh, take up the rear. Front to rear, I have Arabet, Nari, Ziva, Timothy, and Calder. Does that sound? Yep. All right, so you all duck in. Um, anybody who wants to make a perception check may do so. Natural 20. Fucking rogues. 12. 14. 22. Okay, so, Timote, there's a nice-looking family sitting in the parlor that you all go barreling down the hallway past. And as you look in, there's, uh, like, a, a parent's father, mother, and their young daughter. The thing is, all these people look human. And if you didn't know better, just by the cut of their clothing and the, the general style of the place, it looks dobrish. Arabet. You look out the back window, and there are definitely, uh, like, Dobrish fashions hanging on the clothesline from the back step out to the post in the back corner of the yard. You look out, and there's a little atrium there. You look up, and like all the other houses on the block, back onto the atrium, which looks up to face the sky. They've all got gardens. Um, like I said, the houses are all stacked up. But here they look a lot neater. And in fact, you can see alleyways through these places. All right. Two second pause. Anybody think we are going the wrong way? <laughs> no, go, 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 go. Caller, this place is not built for a dragon's girth, especially not now that you've spread your shoulders to breathe. You are still bleeding from that wound you took. The tonic that you put on it seems to have ameliorated all the deleterious effects but it hasn't closed the wound. This is troublesome. You are still bleeding. You should stop and do something about that. Uh, we're, we're running though, right? Yes. That's why I mentioned you are starting to bleed badly. Okay, got it. So do you mean that the back gardens have a bunch of sort of pedestrian little alleyways between them? Yes, there are little, all kinds of little throughways that you can get out here instead of the seamless block that you walked you ran through from the other side very strange this looks like a much better place to hide i'm assuming we're standing in the backyard at this point well callers come through close the door gone bustling past the family in the parlor who's like what the and you guys have all gone running out into the backyard yes calder's the last one in and he's not quick about it timothy watch the door oh gotcha calder let's do something about that wound Yes. Yes, indeed. Uh, yeah. That does not look good. It does not feel good. I think I can sew it. 
I beg your pardon? I can stitch it. Keep it shut. If there's a Medina here, um, like through the, all the little paths and like uh, sort of like uh, tunnels and passageways, I'm just going to like uh, glance around, find uh, find a good one and uh, try and wave everyone into it uh, so that Indeed. I can put up an illusion wall behind and make it look like there is no tunnel. That's exactly, oh, that's a yes. idea. And that's exactly, yes. So you find one of those and uh, guide your friends down through like out of the back gardens of this house into the common atrium and then down one of these which you can seal up with a minor illusion. As everybody bustles Calder down the passageway, you see Nari stand behind and mutter a few words. Then it looks like you're looking out onto those back gardens from underwater. A moment later, the back door to this house busts open and it's the uh, father of the family who's looking around with a shotgun. He doesn't see anybody, so he goes back in. That was a good call. Yeah, I'm just going to keep the illusion up for uh, for a little bit longer, make sure that, like, check behind, make sure that uh, everyone's here and that we're taking taking care of everyone. I'll, I'll ask, is, is everyone okay? Is, do we have everyone? Head, head count. Do a quick one. Everybody seems to be present and accounted for. And we can see the sky without any towers in it? Not right now. You're in a kind of a covered... No, when we were coming through here. Garden. Yes. Uh, any chance we might be in Doberland now? Wait. What? What? We could be anywhere. Do you, do you know of this place? Well, it's part of the real world and not the dream. Oh. Okay. I mean, if we're in Doberland, that is. I would, at this point, still call that a bit of an if, but it's an encouraging thought. I'm going to be looking at... Well, that was uh, a Doberish family that came, came out there with a shotgun. That was a Doberish father checking his backyard. And notice the red caps didn't follow. Yes. Everything's quite encouraging. I don't like it. Okay. C to Calder. Is he uh, is he going to be okay? Is how's yeah. your chest? I've been uh examining him. I want to examine the wound first. It's cut open real good. Okay. Like through the first layer of scales into the skin underneath. Ooh. Real good. Okay. Like, you don't have needles here big enough to punch through those scales. Uh, can I do something with my tools? You can try, yes. Well, at least I'll help him, uh, you know, clean it, pull off the loose scales, you know, clear it out so he can um, get a good, you know, get in there. Okay. I need you both to, well... Who's doing the who's the main actor and who's doing the help? I'm helping. I'm assisting. You get to roll without any penalties, Ziva. But I need you to roll a healer's kit check with Arcana. Okay. Oh no. Bad dice. Bad net one. There is a uh problem. Ziva, 
Now, it's well known that cold iron is the bane of the fey folk, right? Everybody knows this. If you can find cold iron, it is the bane of fairies. But what people don't really know is that fairies have got an equivalent to this, because that's how the universe works. And that equivalent is red iron. And red iron is rarer than cold iron, but it has the same effect on mortals that cold iron does on fairies. And although dragons are extraordinarily long-lived, they are still mortal. Now, Calder has apparently been injured with a red iron weapon. And so, he's in some pretty sorry shit. Especially now that Nari's noticed and applied his knowledge to it with an arcana check, Nari. I got a 17. This is the autumn. It is the season of dying, of harvest, of the reap. When, if you're going to die, this is the time. It's the season of slaughter. This is not a great place or part of the year to be injured with red iron. And so it looks like you're going to be here a while, because unless you can figure out a way to get out from here, and it doesn't look like anybody has, you've got to get him somewhere where he can heal. Summer. Spring. Spring for preference, summer at the very least. I don't think we can stay here. Um, the place for this to heal properly is, well, the spring, if we can make it. I think, I think I can help him make it if he, if you have the strength to, to follow me. You may even enjoy the ride, but I will have to leave the rest of you, and I don't think that's actually a good plan. Yeah, but we can't let him get, stay here and get hurt. So we all go uh, to the spring. Indeed. Well... I suppose we'd better get moving. Are you able to walk, uh, Calder? I'm going to patch you up at least, okay? Yes, I I, I can walk. Thank you, Theo. I'm going to pad. This is a Dobrish garden? Well, the one that you ran away from was. um, You're standing in the dark in a hall right now. There's no light from further down the hall. Ziva, Nari, this place is dimly lit, but uh, down the way you can see like it it brightens up in probably two or three hundred feet, right? You can just see the dim through the dark at the limits of your dark vision. Know what I mean? I really want to go home. But back the way you came, you can look through Nari's illusion to see the back Doverish Gardens, as though you were lying on the bottom of a kiddie pool. I'm so confused. You know, I'm just... The Fae is, like, crazy. It just makes no sense here, and... Okay. What route are you thinking of taking to Spring? Nari? Well, 
I suppose it would be safest and healthiest to go through the summer, but knowing it is the safest and easiest, it's probably the most watched, the most patrolled. Also, Gallo Glass and Kern spend a shitload of time there. And I may have made some rather tenacious enemies in that neighborhood. So what if we went the other way? Well, that's the winter, and that's Long Tall Yella. That's Hag. Like she's the uh, the leader of that coven of hags that you and Galloglass used to rip off at poker. Who aren't fooled by the whole "I'm the boogeyman" thing? Yeah. Also, it's the season of death. If he's going to die, if he's in danger of dying in the autumn, the winter will kill him. Okay, so we have to like sneak through summer. Yes, I I think that would be the wisest course available to us. Okay. Well, let's, like, try and make ourselves look different. Ah, yes. I believe I can help with that a bit. And, yeah, I'll, uh... uh, I don't even really... I've got a bit of my stuff, I guess, right? Like, do I have my, uh... Well, yeah, I guess that would all be in my satchel. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, yep. but there is a small problem. All of the enchantments that were enacted prior to you entering the dream dropped as soon as we entered the dream. I know more than just magic. And I'll uh, reach into my satchel and uh, produce uh, my disguise kit. So they've been gone for a couple of days now. Ursa has been meaning to come over and have a look at Calder's toolkit to, you know, A, see if there's anything that she needs there because he's not looking and he left it unlocked and you are thieves. But, you know, she's been busy working on a few of her legitimate projects. She has actually been tapped to uh, repair the constellation when it returns. This is an inordinate stroke of good luck for you. It sure is. So she's at work this morning, which is why you have a whole bag full of bagels on the buster as you're coming home. Delilah herself, munching happily on a bagel coming back from Lost Acre. What, uh, what are you doing to pass the time, Dee? Well, I usually have a book with me so I can hide my face in it while I watch the crowd and, you know, speculate about people. What you reading? Like, we can see the title from here, but what's inside the book? Oh, that's right. None of these hooligans read Catherine and Runes. It's uh, an accounting of old adventures, mostly sneaking around in tombs and getting past traps. So, historical pulp, or pulp history, rather. Yep. Beautiful. All right. Well, this is uh, another accounting of the adventures of the Earl of this diocese or that duchy or something like that. They're generally the description in these things aggrandizes the hero. But the interesting thing for you, maybe, would be the fact that it's it's the descriptions of everything else, you know? It's the dressing of the scene rather than the 
character who's chewing on it. But the uh, buster rolls to a smooth stop at the uh, Bramble Station. Iron Fire Bramble. And the doors open and you disembark. Ah, the smell of home. She tucks her book in her bag and makes her way down the stairs. And we see her walk by, you know, some phonograph shops on the uh, outer, uh, on the outer streets of the district, and then turn down the winding little alleyways, which are all full of watchmakers and tinker shops and little smithies and uh, fine manufactories of all descriptions, where people still do things by hand because that's the only way you can. And the music plays and the credits roll, and we have some various, you know high shots of Bailey Mina's civic layout and this place really is a bramble it's a warren of streets and alleyways and paths and Delilah makes her way along these streets and sidewalks and boardwalks uh, expertly without seeming to lift her eyes from her book now and then she will glance over at something she has in her hand and if it's worth anything she'll put it in her pocket if not, she'll set it down for somebody else to find. But, uh, you know, bumping into the odd person as she goes, picking up money along the way. By and by, she turns the corner to look down the crooked little, little alley where rests her residence, which leans perilously on both of the buildings on either side of it. Don't ask me how. It just does. She makes her way up to the front door and gets out the key, which is large and kind of obvious, and unlocks the door. And then does the stuff that actually unlocks the door that doesn't involve the giant showy key. There's a myriad of clinking and clacking and rattling of gears and turning of spools and things like that. And with a giant chunk, the door exhausts a puff of dust from all around its perimeter. This, you know, is the antidote to the poison spray that normally protects the door against forced entry. Just renders the gas inert and granular. So something Ursa has cooked up. So once you get in the door, uh, you close it behind you. There's all the rattling and clinking as it closes and the hissing as the gas is pushed back into the airtight seal. And you, uh, you turn around to see that the lights are on. There's the smell of something cooking from the kitchen, but it smells like it's starting to burn. Tiki? Luca? Silence. Well, she darts into the kitchen. She doesn't want everything to smell like burning for months. There's a pan which has been uh, placed, you know, in that center area between the four burners on your typical stove that is cool. Uh, this is a gas range. I mean, Ursa has piped the place into the latest technology. And, you know, the ha your heavy cast iron bacon pan is sitting there with half cooked, half burnt bacon in it. As though somebody had set it next to a hot element and only one end of the bacon has gotten cooked but overcooked. The uh, 
the bread that was in, that's put in the toasting racks is still laying there on the counter, but it's not laying there neatly. It's laying there as though it's been scattered. Uh, walking around the kitchen island, you barely avoid tripping over Luca. God, Luca, are you okay? She drops she to her knees a, and helps prop her up. She is out cold, face down, face wedged in the uh, joint between the floor and the kitchen island, like flat out as though some she didn't see anybody. She didn't see what hit her. She's been laid out flat from behind. There's no effort to stop her fall. She's out cold. When you roll her over, her beautiful nose is uh, bleeding and crooked. Oh, well, that won't do at all. A few minutes later, she, like, a moment later, her eyes flutter open and, like, she's, you, you stop her as she brings her the dagger up, you know, you stop her before she stabs you through the ears, right? Like, she, she opens her eyes, her face instantly gets fierce, and then you catch the dagger before it catches you in the ear. Luca, what happened? Oh, hold still. Let me get your nose. Ha! Oh. oh, she's like licking her teeth and just like with absolutely no grace, hawks out a great big red and disgusting bolus of mucus and snot out of her mouth, just spits it on the floor, like touches her teeth gingerly like, oh, fuck. I have never. Oh. How does it look? One second, my girl, and I'll get you right as rain. And uh, Lila lifts up her hand, which glows for just a moment, and uses her healing hands ability as she attempts to set Luca's nose. It's going to take a couple days to knit up completely, but it should go straight, and it won't be too like it won't be deviated. You you know this, right? You just take your two thumbs and pop it back into place, and give it a little push, you know, because. Things just get better around you. It's how your life has gone, right? So you, you just help her out. She seems to feel a lot better. She's like, oh, I was making breakfast, and then the next thing I turned around, and the pan hit me in the face. No chance to see you was holding it? No, it was just the big bright flash, and then it was you. Well, that's a bit worrying. I need to figure out who was in here. It was just, where's Ursa? She was home. She's home. Isn't she home? She was home with me at the time. No, she hasn't said a word. Oh, no. She got in about half an hour after you left to get bagels. It was an early day for her. There's supposedly a lot of overtime coming up. And she's, anyway, she should be home. Fuck. Was it her? Why did she do this? I don't know how anyone else could have gotten in, but Ursa likes you, baby. I don't know why she would have done anything like this. Well, there's that adage about a bear deciding what pisses it off, but I didn't do anything to piss her. I was making bacon. That's her favorite thing. Anyway, um, is it going to be all right, darling? My nose, that is. As she remembers her Burgoyne accent and puts it back in place. Yes, dear heart. Your nose is going to be fine. Uh, see, where's Luca? She'll, uh, no, no, I'm Luca. Oh, my. I need a bath. I'll, I'll be upstairs. I'll bring you some tea. 
somewhat and somewhat unsteadily, your beautiful apprentice gets up and totters her way up to the bathroom. Peeking into Tiki's workroom, her purse is on her desk, and she never goes anywhere without her purse because that's where her tools are. Delilah devotes about 45 seconds to the pursuit of swearing in a very creative and colorful fashion. There is a uh, Delilah from upstairs. Delilah, darling, I think you should see this. I'm coming, Lila yells and then goes to run up the stairs. Okay, so bashing up the stairs. Nothing much is different in the house. Um, obviously, you shut the stove off and ameliorated that threat right away. But uh, as you get upstairs, you see that Luca has gone to the greenhouse to get her, like, to get the necessary herbs and flowers and stuff that she wants for her bath to help with this ache or that. You know, tighten her skin, all the things that she does out of her herb garden in the greenhouse. And uh, as she's walking up the stairs, there is no door on the roof entrance. Well, it's a good thing Delilah had some swearing practice recently, because it's clearly a skill she's going to be using a lot. Was the door removed cleanly, or was it, you know, yoinked or blown off? Well, as you go walking up to the top, Stare, you uh, you can roll perception. Well, I rolled an 18. You stop before the top stair when you notice that there, caught by the faintest glinting of the light, is a glyph painted in what appears to be, as you stop to look, lemon juice, an explosive glyph, a trap. Does it look like it's been exploded or was a trap for me while I was investigating? It hasn't been detonated yet. You didn't put it there, and Ursa is not big on leaving invisible magic runes without telling at least you. Also, you don't recognize the handwriting. She steps very carefully over the rune and begins to look around further. Okay, stepping outside, it's clear to see that the door was blown off. The hinges and jam, the hinges and knob. Uh, are all blackened and marred on the outside by the signs of a lockbreaker explosion. So, running through your mental Rolodex of how to do crime, this doesn't speak of magic. Although the rune does. So whoever did this uses both magic and technology. But the door lays flat on the gravel roof next to the you know, the little shack which goes down into the, just the door house, which goes down into the building below the flat roof with its greenhouse on top. The greenhouse is undisturbed by the look of it. Um, and there doesn't appear to be any blood or anything, any other sign like that anywhere on the roof. If the greenhouse is undisturbed, then it's likely they were just here for Ursa because. Well, we have things hidden all over the place. Um, how powerful is the explosive rune? Am I looking at something a, a novitiate could do, or would they need a real education? It would take your foot off. And there are all kinds of magical contractors around the city like this, right? Varying degrees of notoriety. For instance, uh, a little while ago, Calder 
hired all the rag and bone pickers in Bailey Mina to find pieces of a mirror. Like the one that tried to destroy itself after some people went through it? That's exactly right, yeah. Funny how that works. It wouldn't be impossible for somebody to pick up, like, the odd trap room, the odd security explosive thing like this, right? Things do occasionally get South African in their severity around these parts. The other question is who would want Ursa, aside from anyone with half a brain, because Ursa is amazing, but, you know, she puts some time and effort into hiding her amazingness. Well, yeah, and especially since she has a brilliant criminal career while also being a celebrated and completely legitimate jeweler, right? Like, imagine if Versace was ripping off banks in his spare time, and that's Ursa. So, I mean, obviously, she herself is a high-valued target. But surely, anybody who knows about her must also know about you. So either Ursa's the target or I am. Well, being as how most of Bailey Mina kind of regards you as her sidekick, it, you know, chances are good that it's her, but yeah, it could be either of you. To clarify, the working relationship is that by design, right? Ursa is the, Ursa is the one who has the public face. Ursa is the one who has the celebrated career. Like I said, it's as if Versace was knocking over banks. You, on the other hand, are her professional secret, right? So where she's the big famous one, you're the Watson to her homes is probably the best way to put it. That's good, at least. They're probably going to underestimate me and not understand either what lengths I'll go to or what capabilities I have to get her back. And this is, yeah, this is by design, right? Like, because she has taken the career in jewelry and she's made some beautiful pieces and it's gotten her some recognition, she keeps the illegitimate thing really aside. When you and she are seen in public, you're her girlfriend and uh, not the inestimable Dalila Del Rey. So, probably Ursa's the target. Less likely that it's you, either one is possible. In either case, they got her, and there doesn't appear to be any sign of where she has gone. What are you going to do? At this point, magic is really the least of your skills, Nari. And in fact, if you had ever seen magic like this before, you can't remember when. My friends, having grown up in a world where the arcane was commonplace, to see what Nari does with his own skills and that disguise kit is miraculous. That was a meeting of Seely Court nobles, in fact, the nobles of autumn, and a peace summit, which doesn't look like it brokered much peace. So as you're sitting there, putting the faces on everybody, there's the whole framework on which you build these things. What's the next move? Well, I mean, if I can uh, pretty things up a little bit or make them uh, less pitiful and more terrifying and unseely. Now that we're attired, I can't say correctly, but we are attired. I propose we uh, keep moving. 
They're all looking particularly ferocious and fey and very attractive and, you know, like all of the goth fairies that you would expect the unseely court to sport. Caller, you managed to put your own image, you, you put your, your own illusion back up, which it turns out, because illusion is reality in the dream, is an actual transformation. All right. That has the added benefit of mending your wound while you wear it. Nice. And we now know we're still in the dream. Uh, yeah. Yes. Indeed we are. Oh. I miss Zool. So we have some Sealy and some Unsealy, right? In the disguises? There's a mix, yes. All right. I'll. Uh, but Ziva is no longer uh, presenting as, as nobility, right? She does not look like the Violet V Comtesse, no. No, I want to look like an ordinary person. Uh, yeah. Uh, so I think I'll, I'll uh, uh, opt for uh, uh, Sealy servant kind of thing. Or retainer, aide de camp, that kind of thing. So you kind of scale it back to a job's worth sort of mode. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, less sinister, but yeah. All right. Arabet and Timote both have their eyes widened and ears pointed and features fined up with your disguise kit. And now I will need for you to roll... Four deception checks with advantage. You want me to roll them or everyone rolls them? Yeah, I would like Eric to roll or Nari to roll them. Can I assist? Do you have a, do you have proficiency in the disguise kit? No, but I have deception plus five. You can assist him with everybody but you and you're going first. So Eric, roll. And that you said with advantage? That is a 17. Now, for Ziva with advantage. 21. Next for Timote. 25. Next up is Calder. I, uh, I used magic. Calder's illusion. Now, Calder, I need you to roll deception with uh, advantage. Sure thing. That would be a total of 22. Thank you. Okay. So where to? Well, I would suggest we send the two sharpest eyed among us up for a bit of a look around, if the two of you are willing. I'm looking at Timothée and Arabet. All right. Can't really say no. Excellent. Now, you understand I am speaking literally, of course. Hold still, please. And I'm going to cast fly on them. <laughs> <laughs> Make a wisdom save, Arabet. Seven. No fucking way, man. You feel the wings starting to sprout from the from your back, right? You, you feel like Nari comes over, he puts his hand on your shoulder, like on, uh, on, on your arm, and on Timothee's up by the shoulder. And then you feel like these things that feel like, like you've seen cicadas crawl out. You saw a cicada crawl out of the dirt once when you were a kid. 
just like climbed out to climb up in the tree and sing, right? You watched that happen once. It was really kind of neat and disturbing at the same time. And it's all you can think about when you feel these buds of the wings uh, start to worm their way out from underneath your scapula and like the temporary new nerves worming their way through your flesh to connect to your spinal cord to allow you to fly. And no fucking way is this going to happen. So, I mean, like you are six feet back, jumping back away from this thing. Timothy. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm not flying. But still, really cool thaumaturgy. Like, from what you've learned from Nari and from what you've learned from Calder's books and, you know, just even watching Ziva, this is okay. So it's a, instead of trying to move universal forces to bear you aloft, which is how you always thought that a fly spell would go, this just alters biology to give you the ability to fly. Very clever. What a what an ingenious workaround. Yeah, I, but I have wings on the back. <laughs> that's, yeah, but at the same time, like, you understand it doesn't mean you like it. Arabet, you don't know what's going on. Feels like there's cicadas crawling out of the muscles on your back and your shoulders. Make it stop. Make it stop. Make it stop. Calder looks over at Timothy and uh, Arabet and says, first time? It will last ten minutes, no more. It's not so bad. Be on the ground when it wears off. And that's when the cicadas start pouring out of Arabette's sleeves. Oh no. Like just droves of hundreds of them. Bet they're running across your back and down the back of your arms and across your armpits and then they start spilling out the neck of your shirt. Stop, drop, and roll. It Yeah, it, it does say you touch a willing creature here, so... Eventually, the the bugs all scutter. The bugs all scuttle away. But uh, when Arabet stands up, the back of his shirt is slick with gore. Bug gore, but gore all the same. Oh my God, Arabet, are you okay? No, I am not okay. I I'm genuinely sorry. I didn't think that would be distressing in any way. I quite enjoy flying. You enjoy the transformation? Of course you do. Of course you do. Bugs crawling out of your back? What are you talking about, man? You warn somebody before you're going to do a thing like that to them. Make a perception check, Arabet. 18. His eyes are wider, his chin is square. This looks like Nari, but it is not exactly the Nari that you used to know. You know these things. You memorized his face. You do that, right? Something is up. This guy looks like Nari, but idealized. Something is happening here. Something isn't as it seems. Arabit sits down and starts to cry. Oh, sweetie. And Ziva will go sit next to him. Does Calder have his wings? I can only do two people with a... Oh, okay, got it, got it. Yeah, yeah, okay, got it. I'm I'm gonna kind of reach over, um, with a and, and offer a hand to Arabet. I'm, I'm not touching him. Okay, the toughest, also Timothy, the toughest man you've ever seen, the the single baddest ass in all of Bailey Nina that you've ever met. Like endless cool the guy has just been chicks so bad that 
he can't fucking handle it, man. What are you going to do? I'm going to act like it's not happening. <laughs> very good. Stiff upper lip approach. Okay. Timothy very pointedly does not see his sensei fall apart. Well, I genuinely apologize. I, I thought I had given you a, a proper warning and asked permission. I now, yes, I should have been quite a bit more explicit. I, 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 I do apologize. It will not happen again. You've been here too long, man. Yeah, you really have. There's shadow on the wall. There's a shadow on the wall in the dark. There's a fucking shadow. It's blacker than the black, but there's a shadow from the dim light that shouldn't cast any fucking shadows here, Arabette. The shadow on the wall is mocking you. It's making fun of you, like flapping its fingers at the side of its head like moose antlers, like a child. Hey, is there like something I could do? Do I have wings? No, you're fine. You sure? Yeah, yeah. Can I touch your back? Yeah. Okay. And she'll very gently just touch his back and just sort of gently pat across his shoulders, um, all the way across his back, just to show him that it's it's fine. Normally, when a pattern's been changed by magic, even temporarily, you can kind of feel the little divot in the weave. It's like uh, pulling a thread on a sweater and then pulling that thread back in. It's never exactly quite the same. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And yeah, um, that did not go well at all. That whole thonic alteration, that was just, that was bad for him. It's left, it's left a mark. We'll see if we can't fix that when we get home. You'll be okay, though. I don't know. I don't know if we're going to be okay. You know, yeah, I'm kind of feeling that, too. Um, But okay. It's, I don't know. You just... Sometimes... You just have to get up and keep going even if you don't know why and because sometimes the answer to why makes itself known yeah we gotta keep going you need eyes I can climb I climb well oh I have a spell that can help you climb but if you climb just fine on your own then don't worry I climb just fine on my own thank you Okay, you this, this last through unintentionally gritted teeth with the flash of his cold blue eyes. Yeah, yeah, it, that's okay. That's okay. She just kind of backs away a little bit. Which end of the tunnel should I take? Timothee, which way do you want to go? Uh, normally I leave this to you, Bet. Um, let's just you take... The, you take the way that's known and I'll take the unknown way. How does that sound? No, it's all right. I'm feeling a little bit adventurous. All right, then. Arabette returns a few moments later. What have you guys been doing in the meantime? Well, I've just been kicking back and uh, resting and getting my spell back. All charged up? 
caller, you can also see this. All right. Well, I'll uh, I'll be gearing up down here while he does his little uh, recon mission. We can do a little narrative bit if you want, but the the short version is I will uh, crack open my uh, artificer toolkit and um, breathe some magic into some stuff. Uh, does Timothy have a bolt-caster? One. Timothy is carrying a piece made by the bolt-maker, who you hadn't been familiar with until you started delving into magical artifice. Now that you have, dude's work is everywhere. Is it magical? No. Well, now it's plus one and has infinite ammo. So you enchant all of that up. When we return to the hallway, we see that lit by the dim light, Ziva is sitting cross-legged, paging through her book, reading idly through various spell indices and uh, tables of contents, that sort of thing, to find what she wants. She uh, flips back a couple of chapters to find what she's looking for. Meanwhile, Nari is uh, snacking on an apple and uh, a bit of cheese and some crackers. It's the last of his provisions, and, you know, he's eating them thoughtfully while he relaxes and catches a breath. Calder, on the other hand, is futzing, like he's taken Timothée's bolt caster apart and um, is replacing the spring with a shorter but tighter one that is bolt red. This he mates with a magazine, which looks like it should be full of bolts, but isn't. The action of the new spring pushing the bolt across the prepared surface of this magazine will have the same effect as loading a bolt into the bolt caster for firing. Calder thinks. I think I am puzzling over the issue of getting back. I think she's just going to just flop down and take Sia out, put her in her lap, and give her a little pets. And she starts muttering to herself because she like while she's she's sort of thinking and she's going through some calculations and uh, she pulls her spell book out. She's kind of flipping back and forth through it. She's just looking for anything maybe would um, spark an idea or lead, you know. Ziva begins to page through her book more frantically. Now that you look at your notes, like your notes on general sorcery, your thomic principles, uh, general, you know, spellcraft and eldritch theory, that's all good. But when it gets into the necromantic stuff, you know, the real juice, the bulk of your book, the ink is hard to see. Like, you know these spells. You could probably do them from memory. Maybe. I really don't like that. Do not like anything messing with my spell book. Oh, mad now. Yeah. So, like, Nari, you're kind of sitting there relaxing and, you know, loosening your tie and having a, some crackers and the rest of the cheese you picked up on your way to the Violet Villa where you still didn't get a proper meal. And uh, you look at Ziva, she takes her book out of her purse and starts flipping through it. And she's looking at, you know, the just 
paging through pages and there's like five to seven minutes of this. Then quirks an eyebrow, flips a couple of chapters, and then starts rifling pages as though something is wrong. As Calder puts the weapon together and then drawing a idle eye down the sighting mechanism, uh, blasts a rock out of the mouth of the hallway. You've got it done, Calder. Um, Ziva, your spellbook is messed up, and Nari, you're having a snack. My spellbook is messed up. Ugh! What was that, Ziva? There is something. This, uh, I don't know, it's like ambient magic or whatever, but it's like fucking with my spellbook. May I take a look? I can hold it in my hands and uh, turn it around to show him. Now, I have the warlock uh, incantation that I can read any text. Yep, okay, and it's in, she it's, writes it in code. It's not really a language, it's encoded. But he still has a magic power that he can read any text. Yeah. Okay. So, um, you turn it around and, and show him show him your unbreakable code, and you see him kind of narrow his eyes and move his lips for a second. Uh, yeah, Nari, this one's a tricky one. It's a it's a triple cipher. And oh, I see it. Uh, I, okay. So once you figure it out, it's it really isn't too hard to read it, but it just takes a second. And there you go. Um, yeah, it seems to be, well, isn't that neat? It's fading right off the page. I like, it's just like literally fading. Yeah, it's hard to read. Well, that is distressing. Strong, strong, strong necromantic resonance off it though. Which is to say the fact that you can feel a necromantic resonance off it. Fading. These are like super important. Yes, they are. I I wonder if it's simply being in the Fey, perhaps. This is not a place that is gentle with the concept of death. Yeah, it doesn't seem to like my magic. I'm really mad about this, and I really want to go home. And she gives Sia a hug. I believe I may be able to help. I think I've asked too much, perhaps, of you, my friends. I would like to offer you a way back home if I can manage, but it will involve magic that may upset some of you. And I will not be able to come with you. No, you have to come with us. What on earth are you talking about? I've learned quite a bit of magic while, I'm he- while I've been here, including a way to, well, in my usage, uh, shuffle people away for a short time. Everyone that I have shuffled away has been from here, but none of you are from the Fae. 
So sending you away would, I believe, send you home. Okay, that's a good theory. But you're coming with us, so... If it comes to it, I will stay here rather than endanger the rest of you. Oh my god. Sorry. It's not unpleasant for me. Yeah, kind of is. At times, I'll, I'll grant. Okay, you've been here like too long. You don't even know. I'm offering this as a contingency, not as the okay. primary plan. Okay, fine. I just don't even want to think about leaving you after I worked so hard to find you. I'm okay. certain it will not come to that. After having bugs crawl out of my skin, Nari, if you send me back without you coming back so I can thrash your ass properly, no, no. No, no, that's unacceptable. Speaking of Thrasher's ass, Timothy, you uh, seem to have walked into Thrasher's bedroom where he is lying covered with some... Well, let's just say that this is not the sort of thing we'd let people younger than 18 see in a theater, and rightly so, because hobgoblins are weird when they do that sort of thing. And you've just walked into it off the end of this hallway. Ah, shit. Thrasher himself. Now, dude can bone like a champion, but that's none of your business, and you probably could have lived the rest of your life without it. I quickly turn around and get out of there. Oh, wait. Ah, shit. I run. What the fuck are you doing here? Where do you think you're going? Am I still disguised? Nope. I'm running. Okay, so you go dashing out of the... You go dashing out of Thrasher's room and down the stairs into Cerulean's loot. You've been here a dozen times, like to drop off the thing or to, you know, pick up a job for Arabet or when you are a copper penny to pay your dues, right? And it looks just like the same, except like it's empty and everything's put away perfectly and the place is closed. I keep running. I need to get out of here. Okay, so you're out the front door into Copper Penny Row. And, uh, like, the lights are just blinding. The music, just crazy. You need to make a wisdom save, please. Natural 20. Very good, because, like, you, you managed to stagger back into Cerulean's loot and close the door. Uh, and then blink it off for a good 45 seconds while the ringing comes out of your ears and you can... Yeah, it smells like the inside of a restaurant now. You look out the window, and it's just a calm night. Crack the door, and it's that riotous smokes and sounds and explosions and music and all this other crazy shit out there. What's going on? I uh, I want to take a look around me. It's a very good question. Why are you here and why are you dressed like that, Timothy? Uh, Timothy? Who's that? Don't bullshit with old Tarash Alkul. I'll bend you over my knee, Arabeto. No, what are you doing here 
interrupting me in the middle of my favorite dream. Whoa. Whoa. You could dream about anything and you dream of this? Well, when you live your dream, Timothy, it's hard to think of anything else. Oh, God. Am I alone? You and Thrasher, yep. He's wearing a robe now. Hey, uh, Thrasher. Uh, any chance you could just wake up for me? Sorry, Sir Thrasher. Thrasher, Sir. Thrash, Sir? You're a good boy, Tim. You'll figure a way out of this. And not just with yourself. Go back and find your master. Now you're in the wrong place. Yeah, um... Easier said than done. I'm in your dream, uh... Thrash. Sir? Thrasher is fine. How do I get out of here? <laughs> you're a good boy, Tim. Figure it out. Uh... Is there uh, any uh, water or even drinks nearby? There is a whole pitcher of sweating cold ice water on the table with five glasses right next to you. Oh, perfect. I ignore the glasses. I take the pitcher and just dump it on him. On Thrasher? Yeah. <laughs> throw water on Thrasher and he disappears. So too does Cerulean's loot. And you find yourself in the Copper Pennies hideout. Uh, I'm going to check the door again. Okay, so you open the door, you look outside, and uh, there you are. You're on the roof in the back alley, um, just underneath where you fell in there the last time you were through here. But there's no hole in the roof, and it doesn't look like there ever has been. Great. Also, nobody's there. I'm gonna, um, I'm gonna try and tap into the world. I, uh, I try and focus all uh, into my surroundings and see if there's anyone around me. So, just like in the open door of the Copper Penny's hideout, you sit down, cross your legs, and take a breath and listen to all of the noises of the dream of Bailey Mina. And that's when you realize that there are people around you. There are 10 million people around you, at least half of whom are asleep right now because it must be late at night. Bailey Mina dreams all of the time, from the tops of the towers to the bottoms of the deepest pits beneath the firth. Everything that thinks in Bailey Mina dreams and all of those dreams knit together to make the place that you are. Eureka, you got it. Now all you got to do is find your way back to everybody else. Yeah. Is there, um, do I sense any different vibes coming out from some people? Any uh, less uh, dreamy and a little bit more uh, get me out of here? Roll an insight check. I got 17. So, from over there in the meadows, where you figure the meadows are, they've done bread runs out there, some uh, Odstadt rye to the rich people out in the meadows. I don't know why it scratched that rich people. That was Nary's mom. Anyway, 
you've been out there. That's where you can feel the most grateful sense of relief that you can remember experiencing in a while. And it's familiar. And it smells like Arabet. Perfect. I run for it. About three blocks from the where you figure you should be towards the meadows, there is, uh, well, the streets are crowded. The, like, it's, it's just as crowded as regular Bailey Mina. People just are going about their ways, and that's when you realize that you're being followed. You have been followed, and that there's a circle closing in around you. I uh, I tap my chest with my ring, and I jump for a rooftop. Okay, you launch off into the sky. Make an athletics check, please. 19. Boing! You jump up onto the roof and land in the thatch. Make an, ath- make an acrobatics check now. 19. There's a little bit of comical stomping and smashing through as your heels go right through the thatch, but eventually you manage to stand yourself up and catch your footing. You start scrambling for the peak of the roof. I'm going to roll a couple of athletics checks. One moment. Well, would you look at that? Nothing below a 17. As you leap up into the air, you can hear some mumbling. Do you speak Elvish? Nope. All right. Then what you hear is mumbling like... uh a brook running through a forest uh, mixed with the sounds of wind and, you know, music. And these four full-blooded elves, like you haven't seen too many full-blooded elves. So three of them climb up looking each more impressive than the last, but the last one is the most impressive of all. Uh, This, you think, think is one of the royal elves, the Eladrin. But they climb up onto the roof behind you, and uh, you've got about a 40-foot lead on them, so start running. Which direction? Or whatever you're going to do. They're coming up behind you. You uh, have to run ahead. Like You have to go down this street. You have to make three more blocks northwest to get to the meadows, where you can feel Arabet from. Perfect. That's exactly what I'm going to do. Athletics, or sorry, initiative. Um, I got 12. Would you believe that it's a three-way tie, except for the guy who beat you with a 17? You need to make a wisdom save. 21. That'll do it. This regal elf reaches into his pocket, starts muttering some words under his breath. You see he holds out an eye encased in amber and blows across it. The eyeball within the amber goes from being just widely open to somehow milky and closed. But you shake it off. The magic, you can feel it kind of seep into your body and like slow your movements and reactions, draw you down towards immobility. But you're not going to fall for any cheap tricks. And besides, 
you've got a spindle arts ready. So you twist your pinky ring and it gives you just that little burst of pinching pain that you need to get your mind off of this slowing feeling. You focus on that and with the adrenaline that you feel, you push through it and start running, make an athletics check. Eight. What's your armor class? Fifteen. Then you, my friend, jump wide of the first bolt caster bolt that follows you across the roof. The second one misses you by a wide margin, but as you go to jump off of this roof to the next one, the third one catches you high in the shoulder, and you fall between the buildings. To land in the garbage for... Ouch. Twelve points of damage. Top of the round. The guy who shot you can't get a shot at you, so he's closing the distance to go look down into the alley. The other guys are going to have to wait across the thatch. Uh, Two new combatants enter the alley from the end nearest the street. And they will go on 15 next round. But it's you and the three-way tie. The guys are waiting across the room. So you're ahead of them, Timothy, but not by much. There are two new combatants which have entered the alley from the street end, uh, and you are lying bashed up in a pile of garbage between two buildings. I gotta keep going. You spend five feet of movement to get to your feet, and you're going to and I take you're going to run down the other way. So you got twenty-five feet to go. These two combatants can't see the done next round. The uh, two guys who entered the alley go before you on fifteen and fourteen respectively. So the guy on 15 sees you and uh, uh, throws his truncheon because that's all he has to hand. Uh, Seven, it goes wide. Uh, You dodge around a big garbage container and it careens off of that to land with a pow in the you know, bags and barrels and baskets that are clogged in between these alleys. Make an insight check, Timothy. 25. You have no fucking idea which part of Bailey Mina this is. Which means that this is not part of Bailey Mina. Like, you must know, you know Bailey Mina. If anybody knows Bailey Mina, it's you, right? Which means this is someone's dream again. Right. Do I still feel uh, Arabet's vibes coming out? Yep. I'm just going to keep going in that direction. I'm making progress, right? Well, that's the thing. No, you're not. You're not feeling any closer. So now you need to roll an Arcana check. Natural 20. It is a common recurring dream that people have that they will run and run and run and run and run and not get anywhere. The horizon doesn't get any closer. Whatever they're marching or, or running or driving towards, it just doesn't come. You know, like you drive forever in a dream and never get anywhere, right? Because the journey isn't the point. It just rolls by. Hmm. I'm dreaming. Am I? This is all a dream. So if you're dreaming and you know you're dreaming, Timothy. This place is uh, almost a playground. Almost. Arabet, Timothy just steps out of fucking plain air right next to you. Full-bodied, completely, and totally intact. Nice trick. Thanks. I grab him by the collar. Let's get going. 
Where are we going? Weren't we taking everybody else? I don't know where anyone else is. We need to get out of here. They're right here. Are they? They are. I, uh... I let go of Arabeth's collar. Oh, that was cool. So, take one second and tell me where we were about to go. Well, um... Some... You know, the full elves. First time I've seen them. First time they try to kill me, too. What? You saw them? I saw a bunch of them. Oh. Got stuck from dream to dream. I saw a I, uh... This is ridiculous. What do you mean? From dream to dream. We're in, um, well, the this didn't really hit me till now, but we're really in everyone's dreams, huh? Oh my god. I am so dumb. You are so right. There is a complete and total crashing of the scenery, which shatters as though somebody smacked a mirror with a 10-pound sledgehammer hey Shakir yes this woman is beautiful and well born and would probably make you a fantastic wife and is the third woman your sister has set you up to have lunch with this month and she's exactly as boring as all of the rest of them well, that is still no reason to be rude. Also, no reason to alienate the one family member who actually has probably some consideration for me at this point. She is the one who sees to your stipend and pays your rent and keeps your groceries, your grocery bill paid and, you know, any other vices that you might want to indulge as long as you keep them reasonable as uh, your abdication has made her a very wealthy woman. Essentially, she set up a fund for you to spend killing yourself however you want. Just please don't bring it home. And you've been absolutely fine with this, right? However, because um, technically, although she is head of house, you are still eldest and your children will inherit, right? So your parents have been leaning on her to get you safely married off and a couple of heirs so that, you know, the unbroken line can continue. This is not something either you or your sister have been particularly keen on doing, which is why she is not especially picky when you turn down the dates that she chooses for you. All the same, you can't turn them all down. That would look terrible. You know, so here you are in uh, this restaurant. It's another one of these glass window things that takes up a whole corner of one of the towers about midway up the Firth. And it's, you know, it's a nice sunny day, but it is always sunny up this high. And a flock of large seabirds goes floating by as this date of yours is going on about the latest 
colors and how she doesn't like the new cuts for this fall and um, hasn't picked out what she's going to wear to the Autumn Cotillion yet. When a waiter comes up and uh, says, Pardon me, sir, are you Mr. Shakir? I am, sir. Um, Sorry to disturb you, but we've a message for you. A message? Yes, sir. Um, I was told it was quite urgent. Here you go. Sorry. And with that, he bows to your date and uh, hands you an envelope. I will first off see if there's any uh, addressage on it in a handwriting that I recognize. Nope, it's a plain white card like the ones Dugan sends for you. And opening it up, you see that yes, it is from Dugan. It says S. 25 to 1, but only if you make it by two bells. Dash D. This is the typical format of a dual card. Now, you're not one of these dirty fight club guys, but now and again, you know, you like to... Well, there's a thrill to gambling, isn't there, Shakir? There is, and this seems like a perfect diversion. Especially when you're the one in the ring, and it's your skills you're gambling on. So, 25 to 1, this is probably a blood match. But you don't make any money with blunted blades, right? Not at all. 25 to 1, likely not a death match. So it's a first cut sort of scenario. And that is way more interesting than, I gotta tell you, that this falls fashions. All right, so I will feign uh, an appropriate amount of concern as I look at and <laughs> imagine that it is a much lengthier note, and then I will look up at my date and, uh, my dear, I am sorry, but it is an urgent matter, and I must attend to this at once. I shall have to cut our uh, rendezvous a little short. Oh... Well, will I see you again? Uh, perhaps, but it is best not to make immediate plans. I have no idea how long this engagement will take me. She uh, nods understandingly and stands up and offers you her fingers for a prim goodbye kiss in the Dober style. Uh, Shakir will rise and bend courtly and kiss her fingers and probably let his hand drift a little farther up her arm than is exactly proper, uh, somewhat teasingly. Her eyes widen with scandalous in public and everything. You rogue. And he will wink and rise and head out. Very good. And there are a lot of Hyperboreans who see what you do and are quite, uh, quite a gog at your Akkodian audacity as you slip out of the restaurant and into the elevator. Uh, about five minutes later, you have reached a low enough altitude that you can catch a buster car to the train, to the fight club where you need to be. Um, when you step out of the elevator, Dugan is waiting for you. And Dugan is a short what passes for a dwarf, right? When I say short, I mean short even for a dwarf. He has the big beard, 
he's if you are if anything you've heard about dwarven kind is to be believed they are normally about half again as big as your friend dugan but this guy like he's a short runty skinny little dwarf however he is also your best friend and the guy who sets up all of these matches for you it's like you're all right oh my friend thank you so much no problem. Listen, this match is for real if you want it. I would love to. I could could use some excitement today. All right, well, then we've got to move. Let's go. And you catch the next cable car down into the fog. And uh, through the lurking autumn mists of Lower Bailey Mina, where you get to the train levels, which at this time of year are always in the clouds. A moment later, a new scene reses in, and this, well, this is the view of the sea garden from the, fir- from the far shore beaches on the northeast side of the Firth. It was so close. I'm just going to lightly do a little bit of a clap and, oh my, you people are quite quick studies. You could have told me this, sir. I can't tell you how to dream. And with that, everything shattered by Ziva's I'm so stupid is rebuilt. And you are back in the long hallway, looking out the door on the endless meadow of fall. It really just happens in like, smash, crash, and then that fast. Okay. I'm going to stop applauding, I think. Um. Well, I don't know. The meadow's quite tranquil. Yeah. Okay. So... If people are dreaming and everything here, then that means, and we got here, and other people from the Fae can come and go, then there have to be both natural and unnatural passages between these two places. When we're at the bowl, whose dream were we in? The violet. Contess, otherwise known as the Ragged Ladies. Yeah, I wonder if she, like, owns that place or something. Well, as much as any dreamer owns a dream. I wonder, like, but how do you do that? Is it, like, is it what happens if you die? Like, maybe you die while you're dreaming and then you just, like, become the dream? I don't know. It's messed up. Anyway, I'm not going to get all... Thinky on you. I really just... I'm just trying to figure out this whole, like, portal thing. So there would have to be passages, right? And there have to be ways in and out. Probably some of them might be through dreams. I wonder if Zool dreams. I wonder if they dream about me. That would be weird. There are... 
the heavy trod of boots is coming from outside of the hallway. We don't have any more time. Which way to spring? We have to heal Calder. Yeah. From the mouth of the passageway, you can see the unmistakable football-shaped heads of red caps wearing their signature red hoods, which go back and hang off the back of their heads like voyageur tooks. Except that these red caps are dressed in purple livery. Oh, no. <laughs> we found her! Milady, oh we thought you had come to a terrible end. This way, uh, boys, we found her. She's safe. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. Am I ever happy to see you? Thank you. She kind of looks at everybody else like, eh? eh are, we, are we playing along with this? Like, what are we doing? And in no time, a retinue of ten purple-clad red caps has accumulated around another pumpkin carriage. Yeah, let's get in. Uh, are you guys gonna, like, want to take us back to the castle or whatever right now? Well, we should think so. You've been in such terrible peril. You would be safe at home. Right, right, right. What what area is that in again? Of course, you're the violent lady of Bailmina. No, I mean, like, um, I'm just trying to remember from... Uh... Juniper Hill. Yeah. Lady Newcap Fulas. The season. Of which, one, which one would you prefer, madam? Oh, can we have spring? Aren't you a little old for spring? I mean, at home. Yes, at home. Okay. If you as you wish. Right this way. Come on, Calder. Yes, yes, I'm <clears throat> I'm I'm coming. Are you sure you're okay? I'm well enough. Uh, she kind of looks at everybody else like, come on. What are we doing? What's going on? I help Calder into the carriage. And I disappear. Okay, where are you disappearing to, Tim? The shadows. I'm the shadow. Roll it. <laughs> what exactly am I rolling? Stealth, one would think. All right, then I got a 19. All right, so Timothy takes a step into the shadow of the coach and falls into it as though it were a hole in the ground. Okay. There's no solid ending. There's no smash. There's not even a scream. He just goes and disappears into the shadow of the carriage. Well, you didn't think that it would literally work, but look at that. These physics make no magical sense. Awesome. Yeah, that was kind of a joke you made up to amuse yourself while you were practicing those stupid lightning punch drills, Tim, and look at that. You just did it. It's quite a jog to keep up, but thankfully you're attached to the coach by the shadow, so you more or less just 
once you realize that, you don't have to run. You just sit back and let the shadow carry you along. The rest of you in the carriage, on the other hand, Caller is uh, still in his half-elven form. He's looking a little peaked and sweaty. Oh, Calder. Find out which way they're going. I wonder if they go perhaps through winter, he'll die. A detour to no. the summer house. Yeah. Right away, right away, master. And then the carriage turns around. And uh, as it turns oh, around, it goes you. back the other way. You see that Caller's color improves, and he looks much better. And finally, it's warm in here, so you crack the windows, and it's the warm, perfumey air of a summer apple orchard. You know what I mean? The kind that just brings the bees for miles and miles. And, you know, it's like seaside, and you look off, and yeah, there's the Firth and Guy. That It smells clean. Like, you've never smelled sea air that clean anywhere near where you live in Bailey Mina. I bet the last time you smelled it was on the Buster job. Quite a memory. But uh, focusing on the ride ahead, you pull up in the precincts of spring a couple hours after you leave that neighborhood of Bailey Mina. The door opens, and uh, this is a shitty neighborhood. It stinks like piss and bleach and detergent and dyes, and it's like one step up from the styles. And it's all very antiseptic, but it's like so chemically clean that it kind of burns your eyes when you step out of the carriage. Nari, Ziva, one deep whiff, one deep whiff of this air, and you know exactly where you are. Yeah, this is my, you know what I'm going to say. Ah, it's just like mom. It really does. Yeah. It reminds me of being little. How we used to, like, run around when mom is working and stuff. Yes, that takes me all the way back. The street, which is normally very busy, like you would expect, it's, it's... This is just like a midday in the laundries, right? People are hauling big loads of sheets out to various brothels or hotels or boarding houses or barracks or whatever, right? Like, But the linens are always going in and coming out and people's personal laundry going in and the personal baskets with the locks on, you know, back to their laundry depots up in the more acceptable areas of town. And you know, this is the place where your mom would bust her ass, and you can see the normal people going about their days and ways, and anybody who wants to make an insight check and beat 12. Natural 20. Plus 6. Woo-hoo. I got uh, 13. I got a natural 1. Oh, sorry, plus 5. As Nari sits and looks at the sky, because, like, the... Uh, the laundries are actually fairly high up the side of uh, the east slope towards Old Bailey Mina, right? They have a decent view, um, but that's only because they occupy the area where the falls are many, but they're trickles. You can't harness them for power just for rinsing shit, really. And that's why they built the laundries there. So, yeah. Nari's looking up and seeing the circles of the seabirds and the various shapes of the moons 
behind the blue of the sky as the sun is, you know, westering behind the peaks. But uh, so he's the one who doesn't notice that nobody has facial features. It is the first thing you notice when you step out of the shadow of the carriage, Tim. And as Tim does this, it's like he's just stepping off of a the bottom step of a case of stairs. Just like he came from upstairs or something like that. I'm going to try and... Um, can I jump into Nari's shadow? You can roll athletics. 19. What's your armor class, Nari? 15. Okay. Um, yeah, you jump into Nari's shadow and... Uh, it grabs you. Oh. Yeah, you you grab it and it it like you jump you go to jump into it. It turns a minute before, a second before you get there. Like what the fuck? And uh, you miss it, and then uh, it grabs hold of you. And uh, Nari, the boogeyman is under attack. Apparently, Timothy has decided to pick a wrestling match with the boogeyman, and Boogie ain't happy about it. Oh dear. <laughs> so once you realize that this is the case, Tim, you can pick yourself up and uh, back off of this thing. And you see that Nari's shadow is gesticulating angrily at you. Like it's pulled a knife and is going to stab you if you get close. It's that pissed off. Unbelievable. Yes, no. I'm sorry. It's totally uh... believable. Sorry. Do you, I've got spells? Do you mean to cast something at that guy? I would rather you didn't. I'll see okay. if I can get him under control. I, okay. I the, guess I'll uh, step on him. <laughs> the faceless crowd is all noting Ziva now, and they've all stopped and have taken a knee and are pressing the knuckles of their right hand to their foreheads. Oh. Um, hi. It's all good. And uh, from the crowd, you can see like there's a, like a, a shoving. Because even though these humanoid, human-sized figures are on their knees, the figure who is forcing its way through the crowd is shorter than that. Oh, I bet that's Grandma. The crowd finally divulges a little half-elven girl with giant purple eyes and a long purple-black braid down the middle of her back. She's wearing a gray dress with a white blouse and no shoes because she never did. She has healthy pink, you know, flush of eternal elven summer in her skin and, uh, you know, those elegant Scotian features that... You have seen in so many mirrors, Ziva. And this little girl looks up at you and blinks those same purple eyes and goes, Oh my God, you're so pretty. Well, that'll about do it for episode 10. Hotel Bailey Mina. Runelanders is recorded live and curated 
to remove all of the unintentional noises, errors, and assorted other pratfalls which can make their way into these sorts of things. It's a lot of hard work, so we'd love to know what you think. You can find us at Cast the Runes on Twitter. You can email us, runelanders at gmail.com, or leave a message directly on our website at runelanders.com. All music used in this episode is under license from SoCan, in the public domain, or under Creative Commons. You can find full details, along with cast lists and more, at our website, runelanders.com. That's all I've got for the credits. Come back next time for more thrills, chills, spills, action, and adventure. Until we meet again, it is my pleasure to remain your friend and dungeon master, Mad Adam. Take good care. Oh, and uh, in case you're wondering where Arabit went that chilled him out so much earlier in the episode, stick around. It's coming up. go back to the Dobersh Gardens. The Dobersh Gardens have transformed into a brilliant, beautiful, sloping park in the height of the autumn. You can see that there's all these people, you know, uh, they appear to be like sleeping on blankets in the sunshine. And, you know, this park just spreads out for a goodly while. autumn sunshine autumn sunshine brilliantly colored leaves when you turn around there's the whole row of houses which fades out to just have the one house and then there's the tunnel which just stands there in air as the park sweeps away and suddenly you are reminded of the meadows halfway up the firth on the west side but these trees are like in better shape and prettier and you know more gnarly and ancient than anything that grows on the ground in Bailey Mina you hear they have trees like this in the box gardens up in the towers but you've never been there alright I walk up to a tree and I say to the tree uh, do you mind if I can take a climb not at all I'll try to be gentle Thank you. Would you like some help? <laughs> okay. And the tree bends down a branch about 20 feet up for you to grab hold of. Right, I do so. When you grab that branch, it lifts it back to its normal position and then reaches another one down from another 15 feet up the trunk. You grab that one and lifts you right up into its crown. Wow, you can see so much from up here. Now, I need you to roll an insight check, Arabet. 19. Books, 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 books. Everybody and their books. One thing you know about learning things is that education never taught you nothing. But what you do know is Bailey Mina. And for all that you've seen it, man, there are 
the land looks like Bailey Mina would if you took all the buildings off. I see. I'm beginning to see. Any sight of marching armies or anything? Nothing. In fact, this looks like the same valley you saw from the coach the other day when you came in. Except there's no castle. There's not even a city here. It's just like rolling trees and just like the odd the odd thread of smoke from the trees elsewhere, but that's it. Like you can see a chimney, what might be a farmstead in the distance, but this whole firth that you're now turning around to look at, it's completely untouched. Just mountains and forests and water. Well, it's bloody beautiful, that's for sure. Uh, thank you, my friend. I appreciate your help getting me up here. Would you mind helping me down? And the tree bends the branches that you are standing on to help you down. And uh, as it reaches its leaves up, the voice of the tree says, My pleasure. You look like you've had a hard day. Thank you. I have. And I must say, you are very, very gracious. Come back if you need more. That is what trees do. <laughs> <laughs>